from a seven-story window Throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell It's a stunning the legs I'll go To convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help Yeah, I am waving while I drown Don't bother swimming out to save me I will only drag you down I'll try to use your body as a life raft Cause if there's room enough for one there I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset Sipping on savory water till my liver turns blue Put down your pens, put down your pencils, step away from the keyboards, and settle in for this week's episode of The Writer's Block. First and foremost, let me thank Low Tide Cava Bar for the cava that I drink on this and pretty much every episode of The Writer's Block. And um, whilst I drink this cava, allow me to welcome Caleb Franz in studio, one of my very good friends in the Liberty Movement and uh, a true inspiration to uh, liberty-minded people everywhere in my personal Humble, so <laughs> humble opinion. Welcome, well, welcome to uh, Florida, buddy. Yeah, it's good to be here in studio for the first time. I Actually, know. Uh, this, I think this is the first time, um, other than the uh, one year anniversary last year. But that wasn't really in studio; that was in front of a live audience. Yeah, so that was, was a little bit different. Yeah, that was more so. Good. This this kind of setting is is pretty new to me. So yeah, it's, it's good to no, be here. Glad, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. glad that uh, I'm glad you're down, and I'm glad that uh, we had time to be able to do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can always you know make time for something like this podcasting is kind of my go-to uh language right so i mean it's it is how we met it is you're <laughs> so right you're right we started you're not listening wrong. To, yeah we started listening to each other's shows and it just kind of right went right, from right. there um also first uh let me also thank uh low tide nope i already did them let me thank uh muddied waters media for allowing me to do this show and don and sally Wright, thank you for giving birth to me um Caleb definitely appreciates it. Uh, for also, all I those eons ago. <laughs> yeah, all those eons ago. Yeah. Uh, also, I would like uh, all of my listeners to know the person that does the opening music for this is uh, the Narcissist's Cookbook, and today he released a book called Lorelei. It's a ghost story. Um, I don't really know what it's about, but I told him I would mention it on the show because he lets me use his music for free. It's a very short book, and Billy Mack, the um, I think he's a Scottish actor. Does the uh, does the audiobook for it, so you can go and find that at his website, thenarcissistscookbook.com. Um, so definitely go check that out because he's a great guy and I love his music and I like to continue to use it. Um, <laughs> so we start out every podcast that we're on together pretty much the same way. Yeah, it's not it's not really. Uh intentional at first but it's definitely it's, the way it happens right and the, it, um, it's where politics we're. is more of my it's more of a second nature to me not necessarily a first nature to me because because my sort of go-to entertainment or, or yeah basically basically uh that's uh, sort of in in the entertainment field specifically in um movies and 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 television and in regards to like comic stuff and 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 things like that that's that's where i 
I really shine outside of liberty and everything. And and I like to mix the two together, but uh, and and that's kind of where where uh, we usually. Yeah. mesh a little that, bit so that is yeah we definitely um pop culture was kind of where pop culture is, is we we met over politics but bonded over pop culture yeah 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 and and i think there's a there's a really healthy uh you, you can't really understand one without the other I agree. and it's it's really important like star wars for example um a friend of mine uh, Stephen Kent, he he has a show that's that's oh, all about Star Wars. Yeah, it's all about Star Wars and and politics and how they kind of merge and and reflect upon each other. Um, and I I look at pretty much most um, most pop culture like that, uh, especially in the realm of uh, like Marvel, for example. The MCU is 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 a great example of this. Whether it's um, the surveillance state and Captain America, uh, or excuse me, Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier. Um, the sort of divisive nature and and the the debate between gov- government oversight versus uh, personal choice is is a great theme in, in uh, Civil War uh, and even in Infinity War you have uh, the idea of of making sacrifices for the greater good versus uh, all life being precious and all life. Uh, mattering and also uh you know of course civil war was a couple years ago and it was all about division and and infinity war is all about unity and and getting back together which is very reflective of uh the current state of political nature um it or at least it's reflective of what we wish the current uh, state exactly. of political nature is. I was going to say, which which part are we in? Because yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel like... I feel like we've been at the Civil War portion of the Marvel story arcs for at least six, seven years now. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I have mellowed a little bit on i i used to be a lot more catastrophist on on a lot of things like oh my gosh we're all going to hell and everything is you know it's it's just it's just going to be terrible um but we we all are going (laughs) you might be right about that but (laughs) um but i i'm a little bit more optimistic nowadays uh especially because the more i look at history um, and the more I see things and the trend that they go, things work out. Uh, it may be it it may go through a really bad rough patch, but it still works out. Right. And um, and I I think you know even in in the last uh, even in the last MCU film that's that's essentially exactly what happens uh to the dire extent that it does and Man, um, i don't i don't want to give away any spoilers for the seven well, i mean people i mean who, who yeah i was gonna say who who hasn't seen right. seen the seen that movie and if you haven't just like don't watch this episode until you've seen it <laughs> that's it and <laughs> i was gonna say this one's gonna be filled with spoilers of a lot of movies yeah so I, I, I think it should be um you know without without uh, question that this is going to be a spoiler filled episode for Really, anything that you might care about, cause, <laughs> because because uh, if it's if it's pop culture related, we're probably going to speak about it to to some extent. Um, like, so just just to clarify. Like last night, I went to go see the new Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga movie, A Star Is Born. I will not be giving away any spoilers on that movie. Right, right. But if it's been if it's like if it's out on DVD now. Right. You've had time. Exactly. <laughs> so so I think that's a that's a pretty good gauge. Like right. if you haven't if you have had time or if it's still in theaters, then it's like, okay, fine. No no spoilers. Or at least if it's one of those movies where it's like everyone's going to try to go see it on the first weekend and if they can't, they're definitely going on the second weekend, kinda like Infinity War was. Right. Then that's that's that's, you know, circumstantial. But um like most of the things we're going to be talking about here, oh yeah, already, yeah, yeah. you know, already past that phase. So, so yesterday, I believe it was yesterday. It was yesterday or the day before yesterday. Uh, Mark Ruffalo appeared <laughs> on uh, Jimmy Fallon, and he said the name of the new Avengers movie. Did you? This all turned later. This all turned out to be this huge publicity stunt uh, because people in the audience were saying. Um, that when he, he said the name of the movie, 
but they beeped the audience. Like mm-hmm. they bleeped it in the studio. Oh, really? No, yeah, I didn't. So the, I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah. So nobody in the studio could even hear what was. Uh, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised by the way that that was. Um, by the way that that was set up, if like they were like, "All right, guys, here, here's what we're gonna do." You, you all know that Mark Ruffalo like spoils everything, so we're just gonna make a big gag out of it, right? And then he's just gonna say something, and. Then you all are going to react like he said the name, and then he's going to proceed to tell the story and or the to explain the plot, and then you all are going to react like he he explained the plot, and you know I I would not be surprised if that's if that's indeed what happened, but right. it, it was it was a fun little it yeah. was a fun little. Bit. And then uh, one of the Russo brothers, I'm not really sure which one. Uh, I think they have a joint like okay, account, so maybe so. it was the Russo brothers because you know they're they're joined at the hip. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, they went on they went on to Twitter and they said. Mark, you're fired. <laughs> and, and he was like, no, can we talk about this? And then people were arguing about it in the comments over whether or not he should be fired for this yeah. publicity stunt. And um, then it was in those comments that you kind of found out, oh, no, this was definitely 100% a publicity. Yeah, nobody, nobody fires the somebody Hulk. on Twitter. Like – Right. Right. They might get fired because of Twitter. Right. They might get get fired fired on Twitter. So. Right. So, yeah, that's that's a pretty obvious. uh, Right. That's a pretty obvious indication that nothing's nothing terrible is going to happen. But it is a good publicity stunt. And I think it's a good indicator that fairly soon we will find out um, the name, the name and hopefully some first uh, some first looks, because I believe. They are pretty close, if not completely, wrapped up with all of their... Because if you, if you don't know, um, unlike the other Avengers films, which are like three years apart, uh, this one's going to be, since it's kind of basically... It's, I mean, it's basically like a two-part film. Yeah, I was going to say, it's um, just a continuation. Yeah, they, they tried to... Did, did you ever hear about why they, they chopped off the Part 2, Infinity War Part 2? No, I... It's, it's really funny, because Kevin Feige, the... the president of marvel studios man is that how you say that name feige yeah yeah i have been saying that wrong why what are you saying like feige or something no i I was like kevin feig oh (laughs) no no um kevin feige is basically uh was basically like well we wanted to um make sure all of the attention was put on infinity war the first one uh, so, so that way people aren't going to be looking at it like, like a two-parter and they're just going to be focused on everything that's, you know, right in front of them. Well, that completely backfired because as soon as they said, as soon as they took away the part two, everyone started like wondering, like what's Infinity War, you know, what's the, what's the Avengers 4 going to be about? Is he even going to have Thanos in it? Is it going to be, you know, did they trim the story down of the, of the big, like, two-part story arc or you know and it completely backfired on him and he said that's probably like the biggest mistake he's made as as executive at marvel studios was was doing that sort of uh situation because the idea was that it would put more focus on infinity war but instead it put more focus on avengers 4 because everyone is start you know in in the world of nerddom everyone starts speculating on things that they don't know and then they get you know these wild ideas uh, about a lot of things so with with the dc universe and the shambles that it is yes yes so like justice league was supposed to be justice league one justice league two right and they ended up cutting it well they completely cut the second movie they didn't just like okay it's not going to be a two-parter we'll still have we'll still have this other film though which is what avengers did even though it's still going to be a two-parter, right? But but with with, with, with Justice the, League, they're just like, okay, maybe like, we're not doing this right, so we're just going to make this a, a one, one film part. because it was supposed to be like the second part was supposed to be coming out like this year should have been and May. yeah, and it was supposed to be like kind of competing with Infinity War, which is a bad idea. Oh, you know, so Awful. from the get-go, like. You know that something is amiss in their formula when Batman versus Superman, the two most popular characters of all time, of all time, the, budges for Captain America three, like 
at that time it was it wasn't even called Civil War yet whenever they whenever they uh, moved it it was just Captain America 3. Right. So they had no idea what the story was going to be. They were just like I don't know if I want to compete with this. Right. <laughs> yeah. So well, yeah, but I mean they I mean Batman Batman versus Superman was one of the just worst movies I've ever seen in my life. One one, one really good uh concept, but I I actually think that um that Justice League was was worse than that. Uh, probably. I've only seen Justice League at 2 a.m. <laughs> when I'm like half tired and it's like <laughs> I'm not really looking for anything to pay attention to. Yeah. And I've started watching, I've, I've seen it all the way through once and I've started watching it more. Yeah. Because I want to see if it's as bad as I remember, but I can't get that far through it because no. it's not. Well, it's very incoherent and you can like see the tonal like struggles. And there are a few. Like I'm not I'm not gonna like pretend like every single Marvel film that comes out is like a the godsend. Gold, yeah, the gold standard. yeah, which like the MCU as a whole, I believe, is for cinematic universe building. Um, I would classify that as like the gold standard. Yes. However, um, like there's definitely some like lower points in in the uh, decade since Iron Man one came out. Um, Iron Man two was. A bit of a mess. I mean, it, like I, I there not, wasn't a bad film necessarily in any of like it. I didn't like Iron but... Man two so much. I never saw Iron Man three. Really? And I hear Iron Man three is fantastic. Really? Uh, the that's, the second the second the, comment the, actually it's controversial. Probably the most controversial. Uh, that's coming from somebody who really likes Shane Black, though. Yeah. Well, it's like. Yeah, there, there's definitely, like, a lot that is controversial about it. But, like, Iron Man 3, I think, is one of the weaker... It's it's definitely one of the weaker films in the in the MCU. Um, you know, some of the Thor flicks are, are not as The first as, two Thor movies great. weren't that great. Ragnarok was fantastic. See, like, I'm one of the few people that didn't, like, fall in love with Ragnarok from the get-go just because... I thought the comedy was a little bit too heavy-handed in that film. And, like, especially when it's called Ragnarok, which means the end of days. Right. Then I'm expecting something a little bit more somber and a little bit more, uh, you know, which, which like, it wasn't completely just the Ragnarok storyline. There was pr- basically three storylines in the Ragnarok movie that they took from the comics to make into one movie. Um, so I'm fine with, with it. And, and I'm also fine with like using, uh, some of the cues from guardians of the galaxy. There was definitely those tones there. Oh yeah. They definitely um, did that. But it's just like some, yeah. it's like the comedy itself wasn't like my issue. It was like comedy whenever it's meant to be a serious moment. That was kind of my issue. Cause that happened on more than one occasion, uh, in, in Ragnarok. Um, with that being said, I still really liked the movie. I, I enjoyed the film. And it, it, was, it was one of the biggest spectacles that I have ever seen in the MCU. And, and one of the most colorful MCU films that I have ever seen. Which it, is, that, that was what I... It had a very 80s feel to it, too. Yeah, I love that. I, anything that's like got an 80s vibe to it, I am automatically... And plus, you know, you can't go wrong with Led Zeppelin. Especially the song that was written like more or less for thor <laughs> right like like i i don't know why it it waited until thor 3 for them to use immigrant song because led thor. zeppelin rarely ever 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 allows people to use their music you have to jump through a bunch of hoops yeah. which i don't like i'm not saying marvel hadn't tried that before yeah but they may have been like i know that they were in almost famous Mm-hmm. Um, but they had met the writer and director of Almost Famous when he was the age of the kid that that movie is based, like the main character of that movie, because mm-hmm. um, it's kind of based loosely on his life. Um, and I know they were in that, and they were in a School of Rock, and Jack Black sent them a <laughs> video message begging them yeah. to let them use uh, the song in School of Rock. Yeah. Like, and, and then he's like, 
we know that you don't allow people to use your wonderful, great music. <laughs> that movie is so funny. That movie is so good. It's so um, funny. But we know you don't let people use your your music in their movies very often, but you are the gods of rock, and we need to have it in the school of rock and all yeah. Jack Blackian. Um, so it probably just took them a little while ago. Well, we know this is a mainly mainstream, big budget thing, but... Well, it's it's to the point now also with with the MCU and you know for clarification like not every movie that has a Marvel tag is is in, is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right. like there are obviously there are legal issues like the X Men that are now being worked out to Fantastic where they they're four. soon going to be included in the MCU after Disney finishes their buyout of Fox um which passed by the way did like it, everything's a done deal in the United States they're just like going around the rest of the world okay. to to make sure so it's happening like right. it's no, just it's like gonna, it's it's, it's it's no yeah it, basically it's not a matter of if anymore it's just like whenever they get the final go ahead from from the rest of the world markets, basically, or the governments of the world, um, because they've passed like all the all the board stuff and their you know internal stuff. So it's just government laws that they're trying to work around, which everything is everything looks to be going appropriately. So that's fantastic. No, that's 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 gonna be great because I've always liked the Fantastic Four since I was a little kid. I, I have two, and, and, and that, the movies that, have been a letdown. To say the least, the, I, the, they had that one fantastic. I didn't form. even watch the last one because I, I knew how bad it, it was, was going to be. Awful. And uh, uh, yeah, Fan Four Stick is just disgusting. Yeah, um, they had that one movie in the '90s from like Roger Corwin. Yeah, but I don't, I don't count anything like no, pre. Me neither. I mean, that movie was terrible too, but it was still better than the Silver Surfer movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really count anything pre blade and marvel as yeah I, I think that they were just doing it because they had the rights to it and they yeah. needed to make a movie it's it's like the captain america movie from like the early 90s if not earlier i don't even remember whenever it was yeah i didn't even yeah. know about that one it's yeah. it's <laughs> i'm certain it's awful and i can't wait to see it now. yeah it's it's one of those movies that's like put on sci-fi channel just just cause just cause yeah yeah right. yeah so you know awesome um yeah the marvel what marvel has been able to do with this universe is it's just amazing yeah well one of, one of my favorite things and, and getting back to like um on, on what we started this uh this show on is that marvel i think is really the king of telling good quality stories and putting putting character first and putting uh, having a, a really well uh, organized plan in the big picture but right. then uh, it's 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 kind of chaotic in in a in a very productive way it's it's sort of organized chaos uh, in in the film to film department so right. because every like director and everything has has very has, they have a lot of liberties there are some things that that Kevin Feige wants to include in it right. that gets included in it but broad picture you know as long as as it doesn't do anything that's like outside of the legal realm of possibilities like including characters that they can't legally include um they're pretty much good to go and even sometimes that that you know they things can get worked out right they, um, i mean that's how spider-man well i was i was going to go more like that's more of a, a very special case right i was going to go more with um ego because that that was technically a fox property in guardians of the galaxy right. volume two yeah, yeah um but they got him and traded ego off for uh I think it was Negasonic Teenage Warhead in Deadpool. In Deadpool. And and that way they could have like a trade-off and they both could sort of benefit from it because obviously MCU is not going to use a character like that anytime soon, but Fox definitely could have. Right, um, which obviously they did. Right, and, and they did, yeah. Um, so, and... and that I think is one of the really like that. That's it's a lost art. The ability to to tell a really good story, it really is. It, I think that, um, you know, Star Wars does it really well. Um, 
I I think Marvel does it even better. Star, Star Wars. Star Wars does it pretty well if you take the prequels out. Well, the prequels I don't Count. consider. <laughs> well, I mean I do, but I I mean like consider uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, the prequel that I count, and then I consider the Clone Wars. I consider Episode One, um, Star Wars's uh, first anthology film, because if you look at it, that's basically what it is. Yeah, I'll it has that. nothing to do with anything with the core franchise. Mm-mm. And if you say like, well, you know, it introduces Anakin and Obi Wan, well, yeah, you can say a lot of the same like themes as Rogue One. Basically, because, um, you know, that shows you how the Death Star actually how they got the plans and all that kind of stuff. And it sets up a new hope and the same in the same light. Uh, episode one kind of sets up the Clone Wars. So so really, I consider episode one more of Star Wars's first unofficial anthology film. So I don't I don't count that one too much. And everything before the Battle of Geonosius and Episode 2 is just, like... Garbage. A, a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, except for some of the Django Fest stuff, because that's that's pretty great. Um, but it's it's still more anthology than it is, like, core story. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> so, I but, like, it. I think 3 is just wonderful. Like, I, you know, the, it, I get it's, a lot of... It's kind of campy on some things, and, and I get that, but Star Wars has always been campy. It's I get never a lot been... of flack from uh, people... From Star Wars purists, because I really like three. I love three. It's wonderful. It's my. It is probably my second favorite Star Wars film. What's um, your first? Empire. Okay, and, and then three, huh? Yeah, and then Sith, because especially the last act, you you can't that last act. You, you can't you can't get any better than that. When like, Steve, when you it, think of Star Wars, you think of Vader and Luke in Episode Five. And then one of the next things that I come to mind is Anakin and Obi-Wan in episode three. Right. You know, that it just like the pure emotion behind everything. You can feel all the buildup that like this is this is uh, it's the true test between master and apprentice and student and teacher and brothers. And it's 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 got great uh, it's it's got great themes and, and great metaphors in it for a lot of current uh, well at the time it was current at the time right yeah, yeah. well which it still kind of can be current but you know um, but like three I thought was great um, except for like there's a section of it that I think is like whenever Anakin and Padme are just staring off in the distance I thought that was probably the weirdest. One of the weirdest things I've ever seen. And Obi Wan would be very grumpy if he knew. Yeah, <laughs> I hate sand. It's coarse and gets well. That's it. in two, so I don't. Yeah, right. again, oh, like, that is, that's, yeah, both that, of those that's, are in that's, two. Yeah, that's. But man, those were awful lines. God. Yeah, the dialogue in two was atrocious, and every well, really everything in two was was pretty atrocious. Yes. Um. Uh. But uh, but I think generally Star Wars has has a really good storytelling. Yeah. Um. I I am a little bit. I like. The Last Jedi a little bit better than most people, or at least I, at least some people. I loved The Last Jedi. I I definitely, I definitely loved it a lot more when I first saw it, which I I think I only I think I've only seen it once. So, but the more I pondered on it and the more I thought about it, the more I accepted the flaws that it had, um, and it made me appreciate the actual quality portions of it. A lot more too, because right. I was like everything with Finn and Rose. I thought was the more, especially the more I thought about it, especially at the end, like when she like kamikazed him. That, and, that and, was so stupid. And, and they just like crash there, and the force, the first order does like nothing. Nothing. Like you could step on them. Like you could literally step on them right now. Yeah. They couldn't do anything about it. That, that part, I I thought that was really, and it it took away a really powerful moment for Finn's arc because he has kind of been his arc has been kind of setting up to this whole moment. Um, with that being said, though, I mean that was that was one example of one of the many flaws. It had two. The battle between like, it had it had three it had three story arcs essentially. It did. Two of them were terrible. One was more terrible than the other, uh, and one of them was, I thought, fantastic. And the one w- with Luke and Ray and Kylo 
That one was great. Um, that was great. Kylo Ren was phenomenal in The Last Jedi. Like, that was his that was his movie honestly shirtless, shirtless kylo <laughs> yeah um but like even the most controversial scene in that movie the the death scene with uh with snoke um i thought was a really good scene because that if you take it if you take your mindset and and put it into where it should be it should be focused on kylo ren at that at that moment and showing how powerful he actually is to completely clout his vision. Yeah. Um, with uh, to to be able to stop to, to Snoke from seeing from anything. seeing what he wanted and to he, see. And he not only clouded it, but he made him think he was seeing something else. Right. Which is insanely powerful. Um, that that I thought was really well done. And then the lightsaber fight that ensued afterwards uh, was was one of the most fun. <laughs> you know that one was of one the of the most, most that fun was... sequences in Star Wars history, as far as I'm concerned. But between okay, so between that lightsaber uh, battle, just that that entire thing was amazing. Yeah, where they're both going for the same lightsaber, and it's like yeah, yeah. God, that scene was so good. Yeah, between that and the scene where um, I forget that woman's name, Holdo, Holdo, where she flies mm-hmm. through the destroyer. Yeah. That was one of the most powerful scenes I have seen yeah. in any movie ever. Like, yeah. dead silence. No, I, I, nobody made a noise in that movie theater, and I completely understood why, and I was completely okay. Like, it it was just such a powerful moment. Yeah, it was it was stunning. Um, I have seen, you know, I, I I am aware of like the, not really the controversy. Which I mean, I, the whole. The whole movie was a controversy, so it kind of is a controversy. But um, <laughs> the dilemma that that scene created, I understand to an extent. Like, why would you need a Death Star when you can just light speed uh, through, you know, anything? Um, and I can kind of see that to an extent. I do think that you're just kind of like wasting ships uh, you know if you're if you're doing that kind of stuff and uh, but i i do give a little bit of credence to that um but it's it's still one of those scenes where it's like i i consider that almost like a nuclear bomb where it's yeah. like you you don't want to use it you very don't want to do it yeah right. it's there's only been two nuclear bombs dropped in right right in, in world history and right only one one uh, light speed through yeah, a yeah star yeah. destroyer. So it, I I I assume, and I don't I don't want to like make assumptions too much because obviously any sort of assumptions, especially in the Star Wars universe that you make, it is likely to be dead wrong. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I think that that's uh, it's reasonable to to assume something like that you know it's it's not something that you want to waste resources on it's not something that you want to um uh use too often because of how powerful it is like especially if you like look at the damage that was created whenever she went through the uh the singular ship and it split the entire fleet in half yeah if you did that with a Death Star, I mean, the the sort of ramifications that would ripple through space at that time would be much greater would than be, anything. Yeah. Like, the calamity that it could create would be much greater than, than anything the Death Star would do as in a very targeted, very specific atmosphere that the Death Star is and or Starkiller Base right. uh, likewise. Um, so I think there's a, a little bit that uh, people might be overlooking with that. Um, so it's, it's a little bit more complicated than I think most people are giving credit for, but I do see at least part of the dilemma that it certainly created whenever, whenever they did decided to do that. I still loved it though. Yeah. Still my favorite scene of that. Movie, that, that was is the I I do think that Star Wars is starting to realize that they aren't doing things like Marvel, and Marvel has a grand plan, and then within that grand plan, 
people can kind of do whatever they right, want they can, and, and they have artistic they liberties and everything bit. like yeah. that yeah whereas mar i think disney uh, lucasfilm i should say because they're all under disney but lucasfilm i think um kind of assumed that they should use the everyone kind of having their own little niches and everything like that and using that within their core storyline which is which was a mistake i i consider uh and and not having a grand plan which was their other mistake if if they had a grand plan and be like okay this is what has to happen and it's few and far between now you fill in the blanks you fill in everything else then i think it could have been a much better film than right, cause what it, we got cuz i know that they had they gave Ryan Johnson a script mm-hmm. and they said he read it and he was like i i will say though i i am holding out my final opinion about the last jedi because it could be a lot better than what i think it is or it could be a lot worse than what i currently think it is based, based on, what, on what episode JJ, 9 yeah based yeah. on what jj because is you have you can't look at this as the last jedi you have to look at this as the eighth piece or really i would say the third piece the th- and the trilogy but the eighth piece and the second the second piece yes the the second piece in the trilogy and the eighth piece and the uh in the saga right um so until that story arc is closed then i am not giving my final verdict which won't happen until next december um but as of for right now i definitely see the flaws of it but and, i also i also definitely and, see the merit of it which is more than what i, I think some star wars fans gives and I've, credit for so like you i've only seen it once yeah um and i haven't i haven't taken the time to like go back and watch it again but i've spent all of my time constantly defending it to people who yeah. disliked it well but, like I, I i also don't like over watching movies too much um, not not since i was about 7 well, it's just like after I, I want to like sit on things and, and, and ponder on things. There's a few films that I'll go back and watch almost immediately because it's just like so overloaded. And I'm just like, I have no idea. Like Infinity War, I was just like, what? Like, wh- where do I even go from here? Right. So I, you have to go back and like and sit and watch it. You have and to take that one it. back in again. Yeah. Yeah. That's but true. With, and, and The Last Jedi was almost like that. I, I almost did go back and watch it, but I still haven't seen it for a second time. But um, I am pretty confident about where I am currently on it. Um, and almost all of the recent Star Wars movies have had, I wouldn't say poor rewatch ability, but it definitely, like, the first time you see it, you get all giddy and, you know, rose-eyed and... Because it's Star Wars, and Star Wars is an event, you know? It is. Um, every, every time it comes out, it's a, it's a huge event. Right. Now, I, I think that Rogue One was probably my favorite of of all the Disney-era Star Wars films. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, but, like, the, the the sequel trilogy, like, I thought... I, I didn't really care for Force Awakens as much. I did the first time I watched I was gonna it. Say, so but, I liked Force Awakens. But the more I thought about it, I was like, this is just a rehashing of A New Hope. Yeah, and, it's basically the same movie. And and I wanted something a little bit more original than that because I, I want a new story. Um, that's why – so that, – okay, so – Which is why I liked The Last, Last Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. yeah, which that's what they did. They were like, yeah, okay, yeah, you yeah. thought this one was too much like A New Hope, which, okay, yeah, granted, we can see that. So here's this movie. It's completely different. We're going to rewrite everything about Star Wars, about Star Wars, which they do from the very first moment, where uh, Ray hands Luke the lightsaber and he mm-hmm. takes it and he tosses it over the shoulder yeah. and just throws it off the cliff. And it's just like, no, no, this is not the Star Wars you thought you were going to see. This is going to be something completely different. I'm fine with, and I'm fine with that to an extent. Um, I I do think they went a bit too far in some instances and then there were just like things that just did not work at all in others um but overall i'm i'm much happier with an original story than i am with rehashing the same story that i've already seen in a new hope right like i uh, what i did not want what definitely would have made me be like this is terrible is if 
uh, Last Jedi was essentially a rehashing of Empire Strikes Back, right. which it was not. It was not. So I was very happy about that, and that was kind of my guiding light as to whether or not I was going to hate the movie or uh, like it or love it. Um, so because it wasn't a rehashing and because they, they did try to go for the originality aspect, I did like it. Um, I I see the flaws in it. It's not as you know, damn near perfect as as Empire is, uh, but it's it's it still has its qualities, and I think the things that work in it really really work. They really work. Yeah. So they really really did. Um, well, we took up three quarters of the show talking about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so let's get into some politics today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about the meeting that happened today at the White House and then we'll go into <laughs> the, the wonderful meeting that happened in the White House today and then we'll go into the, uh, the actual reason I have you on. Uh, <laughs> but Kanye West at the White House today. Yeah, that was one of the strangest. So I, I didn't, I only like saw it because obviously I was traveling today. Right. So I saw some, uh, some articles about it on Twitter when I was checking my phone and everything like that. And I was like, okay, it's going to be strange. <laughs> no matter what you knew that, that was I, a meeting. Know, and, and the, and one of the things I tweeted today was that somehow 2019 is going to be stranger than this. I know because it's what happens every single year, every year it gets um, a little weirder. But then whenever I actually got here and, and sat down and watched it with you, that was, that was beyond anything I could have ever guessed. Ever. I don't know what happened. I, I I don't know. It's like, boy, he started talking about like parallel, parallel multiple universes and time he, is he a myth. He started and, talking, and I, who, I, wow. I don't know who that guy is that he was talking about that got six back consecutive life sentences and a high security, you know. Super. No, that that is the that is the uh, as for everything crazy that he did though um the the good quality thing that i think anyone who's a libertarian uh and and i am in no way pro kanye or pro trump per se or pro you know any of it i I don't i i think they all are more or less you know big government um but a, a positive aspect that everyone should be very happy about walking out of that is that Kanye was sitting down with Trump and take away all the crazy stuff that he said. He was talking and and it looked like he was convincing him of some really great uh, criminal justice stuff. I, I, um, yeah. From prison reform to uh, even like things like stop and frisk. Um there, there was a lot of great things that that he was talking to him about, and yeah, he was he definitely went off on a tangent. But I mean, that wasn't on, even a tangent. Uh, no, well, that, that, was, a, that was that was just a pin. That was like an Alex Jones type rant, like all over the place. All over, but somehow he tied it all back together at the very end, it was right? And regardless of regardless of Kanye or, or Trump or anything like that, I think everyone should be very happy about the fact that. Um, and, and by everyone, I, I do mean everyone, because I think there's very few people left in in politics today who think that criminal justice reform should not happen. Right. They might disagree on the extent that it should happen, or they might disagree on on the solutions. Um, but uh, Kanye was talking to him about justice reform, prison reform, um, uh, stop and frisk, all these things that libertarians talk about and he's the one to talk about it so regardless of where it comes from that's 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 good that that's i think is is a positive right and i and i do agree they're like um kim kardashian and kanye talking to trump about uh criminal justice reform yeah wow bizarre i that never, they're the two i never would have thought that this would happen out of this administration but i really do think now that um, criminal justice reform in some capacity is going to happen before uh, the 2020 election. Yes. 
I, I do think that. I don't know if it's going to be like the libertarian version of criminal justice reform that it we – it or at least a portion of it. Like I don't know if, if, the, mar- if the, uh, the legalization of marijuana is going to be included in that. It might. It very well could. So um, did you see that they – Yeah, I know Trump is, is like uh, – he said something about like, yeah, I might even override sessions on this. Well, no, they uh, – something came out today that they are – well, they just opened up public comment for rescheduling. Yep. And then something came out where they were announcing some federal cannabis act mm-hmm. that is just going to be sw- – Going over, they they haven't said what it is. Well, you see, that's the thing is like I like everyone knows, marijuana is going to be legalized at some point. Very, it so, it sooner, will be, it will be sooner rather than, and later. it will be sooner rather than later. It's a matter of is it going to happen with this sort of sweeping criminal justice reform, or is it just going to be sort of a thing that's like on its own? Right. And that I'm not sure about. I, I don't know if it's going to happen before 2020 or after 2020 because uh, that could really make an impact. If he's if he's smart, it, it would really make an impact on, on his election if you're just talking purely in politics. Right. Um, let alone, you know, the, the, the amount of lives it would actually improve. Um, so that is one of the things that I definitely did not see coming. When Trump was inaugurated, no, um, and I still have an overall negative opinion about uh, about Donald Trump. But when giving credit to where credit is due, this is one of the best things. And really, this goes beyond Trump because this is one of the things that even the Senate and the Congress and the House have been saying. Like, yeah, I think that w- I think that we're going to do this. Um, like Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan have been saying this too, and that really surprised me too. Um, so I think this is the time, more than ever, to finally get something to happen. Right. And with if it's Kanye going up there and convincing him to do it, if it's Rand Paul going up, it really doesn't matter as long as no, as long as it happens. as long as it happens. Yeah. I don't care how it gets done as long as it gets done. Right. But. I probably should have asked you this beforehand. Speaking of criminal justice reform, <laughs> you have a new project you're working on. So, um, in case you all didn't know, um, I am uh, the founder and executive director of the newly founded uh, organization called the Liberty Initiative, which is based on my show. Well, it's not based on my show, but it's sort of spurred out of uh, – it's a natural growth from my show – and um, it is all about the proper communication of liberty and how to apply action to it. One of the first things that we're going to be doing um, very shortly, and, and I'm not going to be spilling too much of the, of the beans on this right now because it's still sort of in, in the works, but one of the first things we'll be doing very shortly is um, a project on criminal justice reform that I'm very excited about. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of a market approach to it. And, um, and it's something that I think everyone can get behind. Everyone that I've ever talked to about it has, has, has said that it's, it's going, it's going to be really good. Anybody Um, I've talked to about it has been very, very enthused about it. Yeah. So, so, so we have a a lot of good things in the work and that's just this fall, um, you know, next in, in the spring, uh, we have a lot of things going on stretching from you know legislative stuff to uh more advocacy projects that's that's what uh our, our criminal justice uh project will be um is going to be an advocacy project and uh yeah we're 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 trying to show people how liberty is not only uh, a message that applies to everyone but it's also something that we don't have to agree with with everyone 100% of the time to advance liberty. That's right. that's how we advance liberty is we agree on that one issue. Bernie Sanders and I and this is kind of the the analogy that I I often like to make that I think kind of drives the point home. I disagree with Bernie Sanders on virtually everything, but I guess what? Say probably 90% of he the stuff. agrees with me on legalizing marijuana. Right. So, I'll work with him to make that happen. Right. And I will fight him every step of the way on his socialist policies. But if we can come together and move forward on the legalization of marijuana, and that's just a very, like, 
sort of a broad example right, of that. that a, not just, saying that that's like what we're doing, but it is an example of how uh, how we advance liberty practically and uh, and in a, in a you know passing the purity test at the right. same time, which has always I think been sort of libertarian kryptonite of uh, we we always want to pit pragmatism and purity against each other and that's not the case no, they're not, not enemies in fact they can't exist without the other right like you cannot have purity in your little household and and talk about libertarianism and have it go nowhere if you want to be totally uh, a total purist about it and you can't just be a sort of pragmatist and be cutting corners and making deals and and by the end result, you're not actually advancing liberty or advancing, you know, something much worse. Yeah, something terrible. Uh, you can't have one without the other. And that's what that's part of the communication aspect. That's one of them that we are really trying to, to communicate is that you don't have to sacrifice these things. Right. They are very much in line with each other. They, in fact, are so in line that they cannot live without each other. And um, and that should be a positive message for not just you, not just me, um, you know, not just the, this, you know, libertarians get the stereotype of being a very uh, young, idealistic, white, white. Uh, male, very, very male. Very male. <laughs> uh, and and the, it needs to be a message for everyone. And that doesn't mean we need to sort of uh, pander to everyone in no. a way that we, we – uh, in a way that we talk about our message or, or start selling out our values. But but there is a specific way that we can talk about these things that relates to people because right. we need to understand their perspective. And that is how people get to know – that's how they get to accept liberty because like with me, I – uh, you know, grew up, and this is, I believe, the same case for you. I grew up rather socially conservative, or, and in some cases, uh, for me, a little bit more with you, but uh, you know, neoconservative and 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 things like that. And the what what sort of helped uh, push me over the edge, and I've explained this several times, but um, one of the big pillars that pushed me over the edge was a speech that Rand Paul gave on the Senate floor. About why we shouldn't be giving Amer or why we shouldn't be giving foreign aid to countries that burn our flag, and that spoke to my neoconservative side because I, I was very flag waving and very patriotic oh, yeah. and everything like that. But it also spoke to an inherent truth in me that well, maybe you know maybe some things can still be patriotic and pro American while not being interventionist. Um, and that was one way that, that Rand did it for me, and that wasn't the only case that, that brought me fully to libertarianism. But that was a, that was a really good case I like to uh, point to. But it also explains very well of how we need to talk to people from where they are and not from where we want them to be. And so when you and I were first talking about this project, the, the Liberty Initiative, you were talking about some of the different projects that were kind of in store – but one of the things that you said, which I'll never forget, is you said, I want to meet with members of BLM to talk to them about criminal justice. And for a lot of the people on, you know, libertarian and the right, members of BLM is not – that's not a group. I have, that I have no idea if, if they're even going to. Right, right. And but, that's the thing. But, but, what, but what the way that I saw that was – well, you're willing to go out there and talk to people who may disagree with you on 99 percent of the issues. I don't care about those issues, and exactly. that's the thing. What like, we're what you what you are trying to do is get this one issue fixed. And right. yes, I want to work with you on this issue. You may disagree with everything else that we do here, right? But you agree on this one, and this is what we want you to. Have. Yeah, I don't care what we disagree about. I care what we do agree about, and what we do agree about is. An advancement on liberty in a very particular setting. With Black Lives Matter, it's centered around criminal justice. Right. With some more right-leaning uh, organizations, it might be centered around uh, cutting regulation. 
And then we have vehement disagreements on, say, the wall. <laughs> you know, it, like I don't care about talking to you. Right. If if I wanted to talk about immigration or something like that, I would talk to somebody who I would agree with more and then try to advance that. Uh, or, or, you know, you, you can copy and paste anything, just fill in the blank about whatever issue it is and then right. fill in the blank about whatever organization it is. But that's the way that we need to be approaching these because – libertarians as we all know have a very bad reputation of ostracizing the people that we disagree with a lot um libertarians yeah i know it's crazy yeah i know um but it it, that is one of our our kryptonites and it's one of the things that that we need to fix i like how many things you say are kryptonites like there's only one kryptonite (laughs) there's one kryptonite in the fictional world but but we have um (laughs) libertarians seem to have a lot more than just one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you use that so often. It's like, oh, that's the libertarian kryptonite. <laughs> like, man, there's a lot of kryptonite out yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, weaknesses. Um, but uh, regardless, what, what I was getting to is that this is something that libertarians should be leading on because we have the right answers. We have the best message in the history of the world the most liberating message in the history of the world. We have uh, the most prosperous message in the history of the world. We have uh, just all, and on all accounts, it is the best message that we could possibly have. Yes. But we have the worst salesman. Yes. And we have to get better at that. And, and I agree that to some extent, the product can sell itself. But you can't expect it to just sit there and and uh, expect people to be like, oh, that's a good product. Right. No, you have to bring it to them and be like, here's this product. It's great. Here's why it's great for you. You're not going to – if you were selling literally anything else in, in, a, in a business world and you would be like – and you would start talking about the product and start talking about how it's great for your – you know, rich neighbor down the street that can afford three boats and and two houses and you can only afford your single household barely while you're raising two kids and, and, you know, you're a single mom or something like that. Um, It's incredibly specific. But But I was going to say that that was, I mean, but but you don't don't care. That's the point is you don't care about why it's good for them. Right. You want to know about why it's good for you. And one one of the things that I like to say or that I have been saying a lot more recently is that everything that we argue about, everything that we have as a platform for ourselves, we have to have a selfish reason to defend it and a selfless reason to defend it because that will play on virtually everyone. Everyone. If, if, if you – and and you can use both of them on virtually everyone. If this doesn't connect with you, this, this will. will. And you can have another way of saying that is you can have a logical way of uh, selling it, and you can have an emotional way of selling it. This is why libertarians need to be really good at storytelling because no matter what the numbers and statistics and everything shapes, it doesn't tell a story. Right. And it doesn't hit an emotional chord. And it's all part in your brain. It's not like, you know, as as cold as some of us might be in, in libertarianism, we still appeal to emotions. You uh, Like, for example, you and I are really big nerds when it comes to, as this podcast has shown. Right, since we spent the majority of it talking about that's Marvel because, and Star Wars. That is because we have an innate ability to process stories right unlike virtually any other uh, creature on the face of the earth um we should be utilizing that because not only do we have the right answers not only do we have the right message we have the best stories that we can possibly give there is no better feel-good story than somebody becoming free if you have ever heard of a story from somebody escaping north korea or somebody 
uh, breaking out of uh, uh, sex trafficking or you, know, you name it. Even even uh, in, in the realm of criminal justice, being free from having their, their sentence commuted. Right. Uh, sh- having it, you know, chopped in, in half or, or just, you know, shortened. There is nothing that makes you feel better about yourself. And it makes you especially feel better because you have the right answer. It's like it, it – it connects both aspects of your brain, the, the emotional side and the logical side. And whenever you only play on one aspect, then something feels missing. Right. But when you have both of it, you feel empowered. And that's what we need to be doing is making people feel empowered. I, absolutely. And the, uh, the, the elevator speech for the Mill Liberty uh, Initiative is it basically focused on the communication yeah. of liberty to people who haven't had a chance to hear it. Yeah, basically everything that I have just said, and I mentioned this earlier, but it, it sort of makes a little bit more sense now that I've explained it a little bit more, Right, um, is that the, the elevator pitch is that we are an organization devoted to the proper communication of liberty and how to apply action to it. And that encompasses everything that I just explained with you, it's about communication and about action. It's about purity and pragmatism. The, right. Those are those are the two things. Communication is, if you will, the purity side of things, and then uh, the action is the pragmatism side of things. And you can't have one without the other. You can't have the action without the communication. You can't have uh, and vice versa. You can't have the purity without the pragmatism and vice versa. It all has to work together if we're to work going together. to if we're going to advance the message. Absolutely, um, yeah. I'm excited to see what comes of it next. Uh, I'm definitely excited to see what comes of it next. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I, I'm working with. Yeah, this, this is my employee. Right. Um, this <laughs> I'm is working my... <laughs> with this organization. Um, yeah. So obviously, I'm very excited to see what happens. Yeah, with I'm, I'm sure you are. I am too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, even if I wasn't one of the people working with the Liberty Initiative, uh, I would be, I would still be excited to see what what is going to come of it because I know the people who well, you're the one that's behind it. You yes, you are the person who came up with it. But the team that you've put together, myself included in this, but I'm not even including myself in my own vision of it. Like, if I wasn't involved and I saw the team that you put together to work on this and the people that you have backing this already, I would be really excited to see what was going to happen. And, and I would, it's an organization that I believe in and I know is going to be able to go really far. Yeah. It's uh, I, I've really been blessed to be able to have um, some really phenomenal and really talented uh, individuals, both on our staff uh, as well as our board of directors as well as the people on our uh, advisory council. We have a lot of people that, you know, your audience has probably heard of uh, quite, quite, a, quite bit a bit in the Liberty Movement yep. uh, who, who is on our advisory council or who is working with us in some capacity um, moving forward. And I, I everyone that I've... Well, well, I can't really say like I won't say any names or anything, but there I mean, are, you can. I mean, you can say some names. I mean, it's not really secret, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But I mean, there there are members of the advisory council. There are members of the staff. There are members of like of just people who are backing it uh, that have been on this show, that have been on your show, like some of them. He like like Kevin Klein was on this show, I think, a month ago, uh, and he is the he's our he's our. Managing, managing director. director. He's managing director. Uh, the right hand man to myself, and uh, a really, really great one. Yeah, so far. So. And Kevin, Kevin's awesome. Like, yeah. I, I, I've known him for a few months. Like, I've known him on Facebook for a lot longer because that's what libertarians do. Exactly. Right. We're all, <laughs> we're uh, all Facebook. Friends we're all Facebook libertarians. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, I've known him per- in person for a couple of months now, and yeah, you know, I saw him on Facebook. He was a great guy then. Even better, like he gets better now that I know him and I can actually hear him saying the stuff that he's saying on Facebook. And that's how it kind of was with you. It was a little different cause we became friends. Yeah. Then I heard your podcast. Then we like guessed it on each other's podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. And then I met you in person. So there was a more of a, a little bit more steps, a few more steps. Right. Um, but yeah, everyone that we have involved so far, 
um, is is more or less in agreement uh, and and shares my passion and and shares the enthusiasm for the message that is uh, we we have to be better communicators and we have to be we able do. we have to be able to sell the product of liberty uh, and because it's it's right and we have to be able to apply it correctly um, and you know I'm I'm really tired of seeing libertarians you know, fight and feckle over really minuscule things in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and it's, it's really sad because it, it holds back our movement. It holds back. It makes people think that we're some sort of joke when we aren't. Um, but uh, some of the people who, you know, put those superficial fights together might be, but us as a movement, right? we, we are not a joke. We have the right answer. And and we need to be we need to be communicating that and stop letting the the wrong communicators have that bullhorn for for as long as they have and and, was, and, and I'm and, ready I'm ready to for for us to sort of take that now I'm I'm absolutely ready for us to take it because it is tiring to hear about libertarians being a joke yeah oh. and I mean like I I get I get keeping your own house in order and i get holding your own side accountable that is 100 percent. excuse me 100 percent understandable but a lot of times it crosses the line of this is just you know we're just housekeeping and it crosses into you're actually making enemies of your friends right and that's what we have to avoid exactly well you know you're here all weekend, so thanks for coming. But thanks for coming down to, and right, uh, being right. on the show. Um, I'm, I'm going to see you for the next couple of days. Uh, to everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I definitely appreciate you uh, watching. Um, remember to tell your friends, tell your family about this show. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash muddiedwatersoffreedom. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at muddiedwatersoffreedom. Or you can follow us on Twitter at muddied underscore waters. Uh, and you can find us, find this in every single episode every day at muddiedwatersoffreedom.com. Uh, thank you so much and get back to writing because it is truly the best way to tell the best story. I am swinging from a seven story window, throwing parties in a 10 by seven cell. It's astounding the legs I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Yeah, I am. Yeah.